0: The latest on the world game, this is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season.
1: Hello welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I am a sober publisher, Andy Jackson, and Kev, have you had a drink yet? Not yet. We're alright, we can both do our jobs. (laughs) Uh, This is this week's 442 Insider Podcast where we are going to preview finals of the A-League which kick off this weekend for most players, but we'll talk about Liam Reddy later. Uh, Kev, final round last weekend, um, sort of went to form, uh, as we thought it might. Uh, It rendered the uh, Brisbane game uh, not worthless, but uh, not influential in terms of the title, because uh, the Mariners uh, got the job done at Wellington Phoenix, 2-1 winners.
2: Yeah, uh, good on the Mariners for actually getting there and holding firm right to the end. I have to say, uh, like I said last week, I had my doubts whether they would actually manage uh, to to claim it on their own merit, because Phoenix is so strong at home, but they did, uh, and they did it well, 2-1, very good. Unfortunately, though, it was a bit of a damp squid.
1: Yeah, I was hoping I'd lock myself in to my uh, to my man cave downstairs, and I'd told Missus J that I was out of action for six and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> After the first uh, two hours, I was like, "No, maybe we can have dinner about seven tomorrow, yeah so. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, but and also, it was it was disappointing for the Mariners as well. I know Arne uh, went in the record later saying how upset he was that there was no presentation of the plate. But
1: but it's
2: where could the plate be? It, you know, it could either yeah, be, it, but also
1: to me, That's just another example of the damned if they are doing, the damned if they don't. Yeah, Because absolutely. the other side of it would be, they present the Mariners with the plate at Wellington in front of three Mariners fans, and everyone goes, "Oh, the FFA, why couldn't they have presented it to us at our home final in front of all of our fans?" It's absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like, bloody
2: hell. Um, but you know. I, I, Having said that, though, perhaps, uh, you know, it, it, either way, it's a bit of a media non-event, unfortunately. You know, the whole they won the Premier's plate got completely sidetracked in mainstream media. Uh, Sydney scraping into the finals was a big story for everyone, yeah. which is, you know, not the that, That's not an story.
1: Australian infliction, isn't it? You know, it is. It is all about finals. It, you, you know, know it's, it's ridiculous. I couldn't believe that in the NRL, what are they, three games in? I saw the news. I was listening to the news. And I was driving into work on Tuesday. Like I think Canberra won, and like, on, on Monday night, and they went and Canberra move into the eight. <laughs> so we like, played three games. So Jesus Christ. So yeah, so there you go. But it is all all about finals football here. And, I, and so for yeah. You know, to Arlie's credit, I did quite like the fact that he said, you know, this is the more important one to him as a manager. Of course it is. is.
2: I mean, you, you spend 27 weeks finding out who's the best team and then yeah. spend four weeks double-checking. Yeah. It's nonsense. This, yeah, they, a good way of it. they are the guys that put in the performances week in, week out. They deserve the acclaim. But Australians like championships.
1: Yeah, well, the game itself, uh, it wasn't a bad game. Uh, John Sutton came up with an important goal. Uh, it, was, it was his first goal. Wasn't it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good time to get it. Uh, and then a sublime piece of uh, set-up play from uh, Michael McGlinchey to, uh, to really put it on a plate for Bernie Abini. I mean, it, I'm going to talk about this later, so I won't spoil that. But there was one thing that I saw in a number of the games which was really encouraging. Um, we'll talk about that shortly. Uh, Brisbane won anyway at Gold Coast, coming back from 2-1 down with a team of uh, young team. Uh, that Obviously, Ange had a fair amount of notice. Again, one of the other reasons about kicking off simultaneously was... Obviously because the, the, the Central Coast game kicked off well before the Brisbane game, Andrew was able to completely change his starting line-up and rest a few players for the finals.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I'm not so sure it was resting it necessarily for the finals, more for the ACL. Yeah, uh, but, either, but way, yeah. either way, he managed to do it. But, you know, good that young players get the chance that yeah, they wouldn't have normally
1: gotten. They took it as well. Absolutely,
2: certainly. yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a bit of an NYL match, really, when you look at the edge of the Gold Coast boys too. Uh, but very entertaining. Uh, and, you know, I think all in, it was a good final round. It would have been even better if it had gone to the, the final minute of the final match, as it very nearly did.
1: Yeah. Well, Sydney FC obviously won that uh, that battle for the final final spot uh, with a 3-2 win against Newcastle Jets. True to Sydney FC's, uh past history. They made hard work of it. Um, got in front, did their best to sort of <laughs> give it away. <laughs> um, Uh, Kevin, what did you make of this game?
2: I thought that it was a very, very entertaining game. It was as good a game as you're going to see at the SFS with Sydney playing. I thought it was fantastic, and uh, you know, it's hard to say if Jets were hard done by or not. They've they've picked up well, you know, uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, Sydney have been running hot and cold all season, uh, mainly cold. Both of them were limping into the finals and both of them would have probably been going out in the first round anyway. Uh, but it was certainly an entertaining match for them to finish it, the season.
1: It was one of those games. Whilst I was enjoying it, and I was like, it, was, it was exciting, it was end-to-end, end, there were lots of chances. I was thinking, it's one of those things where it's ultimately futile. <laughs> <Exactly>. Because <laughs> yeah. not, none of them are going to win it. You yeah. know, it, was like, and it. And in actual fact, it was just winning their last, final, their it, last it, game of the season. Purely
2: pride. Purely yeah. pride, really. Uh, and it also, it was awkward as well because Lavishka was being given his final send off. I mean, you know, everybody, nobody really expects them to go any further, including the uh, the management. So Lavishka has been given his final send off, and he's still got one more game to go at
1: least. Well, I'll give him another fire. Yeah, different part of Sydney next time. Uh, let's talk about the other two games that obviously didn't have a bearing on anything. But um, but Perth uh, ran out vic- victorious over victory. Uh, they were two one down, came back four goals from Shane Smeltz. Um, Saw him overtake Archie Thompson. Dominating display. As a leading scorer. Uh, Last goal was an absolute cracker. Uh, And Adelaide drew one all with Melbourne Heart. So uh, Melbourne Heart ended up actually finishing 6th. And Sydney leapfrogged them into 5th with that win against the Jets. So the the ladder finished. The Mariners, uh, two points clear at the top after 27 games with 51 points. Then it was Brisbane, Perth, Wellington, Sydney and Melbourne Heart made up the finals. Newcastle Jets, Melbourne Victory, Adelaide and Gold Coast uh, at the bottom. So okay, overall, sort of, you know, we've seen big underachievements you'd say from Melbourne and Adelaide?
2: Uh, Yeah, and you know, I think Sydney may have finished first, but I still think, uh, I don't think that can under any circumstances be counted as a success for them uh, with who they've signed, but Melbourne Victory are just a huge, huge disappointment. Do you really think that
1: I I would be tempted to say that that's probably an overachievement from Sydney with the squad they've got. I mean, look at their striking stocks.
2: No, you
1: know when you when you compare.
2: I, with, I think that they lack like the
1: depth. Brisbane, Certainly. Brisbane, Barisha, Perth, you know, um, Smelt, Wellington, Eiffel. Yeah, no, I just don't I don't see that it's not Bruno it's not Mark Bridge you know they've just never had that real cutting edge up front
2: Bruno got what eight goals this yeah. season I mean that's I think, second or third highest you know Bruno Kazarin gets a lot of uh, abuse uh, and I don't necessarily think he's the problem what the problem is further behind him uh, you know Mitch Nichols came up with eight goals from midfield that's where Sydney are lacking They don't have the second wave of attack They don't have the second wave of goal scorers That other teams do uh, And, you know, Nick Carl was there He's the man who should be providing those extra bonus of goals And he he, he didn't come up in the same... Uh, he got,
1: must have got four or five He like, got four
2: or five, I think yeah. But, you know, uh, when you've got Mitch Nichols getting eight And you're relying on one goal scorer up front, essentially uh, it's not good enough. You know, they need Emo coming up with goals. They need Carl coming up with goals. They need uh, whoever's playing on the left wing if they can ever find anyone. Uh, so that, it, it's the depth in their attack that's the problem, I think. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, they they do need a clear out. They Like Melbourne Victory, who've just begun their clear out, it would appear today, uh, Sydney need a clear out as well. They they need a fresh broom. They need a uh, and a new manager who's going to come in and hopefully do that.
1: One of the things that I I was I enjoyed watching was some of the, uh, the, the the sort of through balls or you know common term now is assists. You know McGlinchey's was absolute quality. Um, top of the season for assists this year. Emerton had two. You know the great ball in the pace on the ball in for Bruno's first goal, and then also. um his uh the perfect weight on the ball that he played into Chiarase's path. I Maybe mean, if you watch it again, that it looked easy but it was just absolutely perfect, like just the weight on it. And also to be fair, Boschart's ball to Chianese's chest for the other goal. Um and there was another one, I think there was one in the Perth game. Someone one of the balls threw to Schmelz. It, was, it might have been from Andrezino or someone. You know, and it was like I was like, you know, do you know what? They are absolute quality deliveries. Absolutely, you know? that's often what what is missing. You see, Definitely. it's huffing and puffing. It's lump the ball in yeah. and let's yeah. fight, or you know, it's crosses. But they were you know, real penetrating through balls and, and quality yeah, balls. I, I think
2: this is another sign of us reaching a new level mm. uh, in the league football, and it's something that has been missing. It's it's not. The chance goals, stumbling into the goalmouth, goalmouth strip scrambles, or
1: coming from mistakes, yeah, Offensive you know, exactly. error, getting caught in possession. Or, you know. It's
2: genuine creativity and vision that are setting these things up, and that's wonderful to see. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I also feel that the guys who are setting up these goals, because we're salary capped, the strikers only, we can only spend so much on strikers. Strikers are worth a lot because they win games. Therefore, we don't have the best quality strikers. We need midfielders who are going to come up, step up, and score goals as well as pre- create opportunities for effectively substandard stri- strikers most many of them
1: okay all right uh, that's it for part 1 we'll be back in part 2 to uh, look at some of the news headlines that have been making uh top billing on our website au.442.com and as always there's been a few of them
3: the April issue of 442 magazine is on sale now it's a special edition on the toughest job in football, the coach we profile 40 years of Socceroo coaches analyze Man United 70 year old Alex Ferguson take the FFA, AFC, B license coaching course, plus Archie Thompson and Mark Milligan model the new Socceroo's away jersey 442 magazine Get it at newsstands or download it onto your iPad today. The latest on
1: the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Some of the news that has been making headlines on the website, au.442.com. Um, Sydney FC's well, uh, number two goalkeeper at the moment, uh, Liam Reddy, was, uh, was sent home for uh, for drinking on the plane on the way out to the Wellington Phoenix game, uh, would have been what less twenty four hours before the game or maybe thirty six hours before the game? Surely that's outside their uh, their code of conduct, and and obviously he was sent back. Um, what a muppet! I love the details that came out today. Oh, I've not seen that. Oh, uh, no. you have been in meetings all morning. What, what's, what's come out now?
2: Been uh, drinking lager and vodka and orange and uh, becoming increasingly noticeable that he was uh, becoming drunk until they started to land and he started vomiting into a, vomit, into a sick bag.
1: Well, it's, it's not and, an easy landing at Wellington at the best of time. And over one of his teammates. No. <laughs> what on earth was he thinking? It's
2: just, you've got to wonder. Uh, and, you know, the point was made that, uh, you know, they're going to investigate exactly what, what was driving this because that's not proper behaviour for a professional sportsman. Uh, there must be something else going on there,
1: you would think, you would hope. I mean, is he, is he, is he under contract? Has is he, is he still got a contract next year? I think so, yeah. Because uh, he's on quite decent money. Yeah. I, mean, I was thinking, you know, well, this is maybe Sydney's opportunity to...
2: Apparently, they're going to hold on to him, Uh, but it's definitely a case of uh, counselling is required, Uh, but that's really just seriously unprofessional. But by the same token, I notice you made the same point on uh, Twitter. Why did nobody step in? I mean, you can't secretly... Well knock, exactly, if everyone's around,
1: like surely somebody would be. If he's throwing up arguing. on a teammate,
2: then the teammate's sitting next to him, why did nobody notice, you know? Saying, the, what are you doing? Yeah, what what's going on with the the slamming back the vodka and oranges?
1: Uh, I and mean, it's a
2: short bloody flight. I mean seriously, how
1: much effort you do haven't you have got to, go to sleep through? it off before you get off, have you? <laughs> <laughs> it's not like to the UK, you can have a you would have a good eight hour session and still have sixteen hours to drink it off, but anyway. Uh, so yes, I see the SC have flown out their youth league keeper to sit on the bench tonight. Um, we're going to preview the games later. Um, over in Perth, uh, Ian Ferguson has been given a new two-year deal. Perth Glory rewarded for their best ever finish in the A-League.
2: I was a big critic of Fergie, uh, but I did say second game that the squad was too good even for him to mess it up and get into the finals. <coughs> to get into third place was. A tremendous effort, I think has to be said. Um, and I don't necessarily think it's an awful lot to do with him in terms of tactics and formations on the on the park, uh, but he did bring together a very good squad and uh, the, this coaching staff kept it together and kept them relatively fit long enough to, to turn in the results. So, yeah, I think he, he's, he's done enough to deserve it. Uh, I saw some fans were asking for one year with a, a further year option Which maybe, you know, might be another alternative. But with two years, at least he's got the chance to actually make some plans for the future and not just go for quick, easy results.
1: And also, I always think that fans often only think of it from the club's perspective. But the fact of the matter is is that, you know, Ian Ferguson might not have been willing to sign a one year contract with a one year extension. Yeah. Yeah can always say oh, well why did the club do that and <laughs> they actually discount the fact that it is a negotiation of which there are two parties
2: sure that relies on Ian Faggs on having alternatives yeah uh... but it's
1: also a negotiation he's playing the club off saying well look I've got you to third I want a two year deal you
2: know? yeah and the and club they...
1: going okay we've never been to third before we've had four, five, six other managers yeah you know but they say, okay, we're
2: not interested, go where you want. And he says, oh, okay, Thailand? Yeah. I mean, it, it, negotiations, fair enough, but I, I think two years is probably Back a fair to the compromise. Mariners. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. that possibility, but um, I, just, I think the Mariners have uh, progressed. Beyond. No, I was, just,
1: I was just talking generally. Fans are yeah. always like, you know, why did the club, and same with players, you know, why are the club And they forget that. The other party actually has a, oh, a card to play and a role to play. I, I think
2: you know, with players especially, the, the short term deals are player driven more than anything else. You know, uh, a, a young player uh, will always want a short term deal uh, to give him more options and uh, more negotiating power. An older player, it's the reverse. Yeah, they want the long deal.
1: Well, obviously, Gold Coast, uh, with the future still up in the air, and as we said, most players, nearly all players, I think we're on, they're, are out of contract. Um, the vultures are circling with... Uh, Is
2: the future really up in the air with Gold Coast, though? I mean, Christ... <laughs> from the moment the licence was revoked, it's over! It's done! That's it! Stop faffing about! Nobody's fooled! Why do people think there's any chance it's going to survive? It's dead! It's a dead parrot! It's not
1: pining for the fjords! The other thing that I found quite sort of weird about the whole sort of surreal about Football Australia, Archie Fraser, campaigning the FFA for transparency over... For the new Gold Coast consortium, i.e., what they're about to tick it's, like it's been bankrolled by the old, like. It's like. Oh dear. Oh, but anyway. Jesus. I
2: mean, the, the, the kiss of death to that rival consortium wanting to take over was them insisting that Clive Palmer still take a part. Do you want this licence or not? You're not going to get it with Palmer. How much How difficult is that to understand? Well, back to
1: my original point. The Vultures are circling <laughs> on their <laughs> squad of players. With Perth Glory uh, closing in on the signing of Chris Harold, a talented youngster who's, uh, who's made a few appearances, and uh, veteran keeper, Glenn Moss, um, looking set to. Uh, to back over the ditch to join Wellington Phoenix, which is obviously a Kiwi. That's where he's uh, where he's come from. So no, no real surprises there. Um, what else? Ah, oh, Nike's the Chance Initiative uh, is going on at the moment. You can uh, sign up if you are uh, a player of uh, of the right age group, of which neither me and Kev are. But go just, to Nike. Just, just, yeah, just go to Nike Football on uh, on Facebook. And what's been happening all over the world, this is quite interesting actually, if you go on YouTube and type Nike first find, in that everywhere, as part of the, the programme this year, every country that's taken part has had a, what they've called a first find, which somebody has gone and had one pick. So in Spain it was Guardiola, in uh, Holland I think it was Vanderva, in Mexico it was Rafael Marquez. In, you know, so they've, they've set up this trial game and... The Nike ambassador and has gone up and said, "Right, that kid goes straight to the finals." So it's pretty big deal for the kid. So just to recap,
2: Spain had Guardiola. We yeah. had John Aloisi. John Aloisi
1: and Ron Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so the uh, the lucky guy that has made it through. Let me just get my notes. Is uh, you know, it's gonna, this is going to test my pronunciation? Steep truba. T. Stipey T, Stipey T. There we go. From where be bees uh, has impressed impressed the coaches at uh, the trial match at Port Melbourne. So he is straight through. Uh, he actually moved from New Zealand uh, with his family in 2010. Represented the junior All Whites under 15. So it looks like it's a bit of a Russell Crowe. We'll claim him. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the chances come back into sort of focus uh, because of the success of Tom Rogic. You know, Tom was a uh, you know, made it through that and uh, obviously now starring for the Mariners and hopefully will play a big role in the finals. So um so yeah, so still chance for you to uh to uh get involved. There will be trials nationwide uh and then it comes into a I think the top 100 come to Sydney and then I think the top sort of 50 go to the AIS. Uh, I think that's how it works. So um so yeah, and then they go into a global pool. Uh, go to global finals and uh, that 's where Tom actually got into the top fifteen I think it was at the global finals uh, so yeah Facebook is where you can enter and find out more go to facebook.com Nike football au other news headlines Graham Arnold uh, was to, was named uh, PFA coach of the year um, well deserved uh, Brett emerton harry Kill didn 't make it into the, uh, the the team of the year now there was starting, a lot of uh,
2: starting eleven
1: Kuehl was on the bench. Oh, on the bench. There was a lot of debate about how on earth the PFA team of the season would line up on the pitch. We'll row through it. It's Matt Ryan in goal. Fair enough. Michael Moroni, Patrick's fans fired, Josh Rose playing three at the back. Uh, in midfield, Thomas Broich, Fred, Mitch Nichols, Aziz Bayic. Uh, and up front, Paul Eiffel, Bess Up and Archie Thompson. Subs, Clint Bolton, Andrew Durante, Nicky Carl, Carlos Hernandez and Harry Kuhl. Kev, what did you make of that?
2: Attack! <laughs> yes. Attack! It's, uh, would, as I said to Brendan Schwab, there'd be a lot of goals and they might even score some of them. Uh, it's an interesting team. It's not what I would have chosen myself. We I, I get love, a chance. They're all good we're players. A, all we're good get players. a
1: chance, aren't we? we are, uh, we're putting together the grand final programme for the A-League. And uh, as one of the pages theres four four two. is that's the Pickett's team of the year, so yep. we'll, uh, and we'll we're falling out about here. it already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of those debates. Um, what else? FFA peace plan heads off owner revolt. Um, there was uh, possibly, possibly, maybe there was a big meeting uh, yesterday between the FFA and the A League owners, and then the, it was leaked that the A League owners were actually having a meeting before the meeting um, to talk about, you know, really um, polarising their their Gripes or their requests for greater transparency or a greater say in things from the FFA. So, clearly, uh, okay, well, you know, this this needed to happen. It's you know, if there's one good thing that, that the Clive Palmer episode has thrown up is that the you know there is probably a, definitely a need for for greater say on the people that are bankrolling the game.
2: Oh, I think you know, the the saddest thing about this is if you look at what's going to be on their agenda. It's incredible to think that we're seven years into the A-League and these guys haven't had a say on simple, basic uh, components of the A-League up to now. Uh, it's taken this uh, new committee after seven years to be set up just so that they can talk about things like uh, salary caps and uh, fixture lists and things like that on a, a one-to-one basis with the, the FFA. Um The FFA will have you believe that this was in progress long before Clive Palmer opened his mouth. Uh, but there's no denying that, you know, he certainly helped, uh, the A-League owners in their uh, pursuit of, of getting a voice, uh, in the running of the A-League. Um, but, Will it make a huge difference? I think it's interesting. We I approached uh, Perth Glory and uh, Newcastle Jets yesterday afternoon as soon as this was agreed and the statement came out to find out what uh, Tinkler and Tony Sage thought yes. of it. No reaction. Uh, no comment from them. It could be that they're just sitting back and seeing what happens. It could be they're you know, putting together a more considered response. Didn't want to, to do a knee-jerk. But if they had been truly delighted by it, I'm sure they would have been singing it from the right yeah, rooftops. Yeah, I,
1: I think there's probably, as you started by saying, you know, there's probably a bit of like, you know, we shouldn't really be thankful for this. This should have been happening from day one. Oh, you know? absolutely. So let's not yeah. celebrate something that was actually, we probably should have had years ago. Definitely, you know?
2: yeah.
1: Um, so just to, to give our, our listeners a, the, the breakdown of this, it's the Joint A League Strategic Committee. It will be chaired by FFA Deputy Chairman Brian Schwartz. There will be two other FFA directors. And there'll be three A-League club chairmen. And it'll be a six-member body, and they will meet bi-monthly to discuss all of those issues. Um, so head to the website for the full story. Um, overseas, Aussies. Not a great time at the moment. It seems to be a lot of, um, a lot of Aussies picking up knocks. And uh, yeah. Rhys Williams uh, looking like he's going to be out for another three weeks <coughs> with his ankle ligament injury. That seems to be a slightly better prognosis, because at one point they'd said he might not play again this season. Um,
2: He's on the road to recovery at least. Scott
1: McDonald returned to training last week. Could be back in action. Obviously, um, Middlesbrough still in with a chance of making the playoffs for the Premier League, so it'd be good to see those boys in action. Uh, Millie Edenack, not fit at the moment. Didn't play against Doncaster. Um, Tim Cahill was fit, played. Um, and uh, Everton got a 2-0 win away at Sunderland to make the um, FA Cup semi-finals. It's a
2: bloody good result for them.
1: Yeah, I I must admit, I thought they'd struggle up there. So did I. Yep, coming with their usual uh, ridiculously strong finish to the season. (laughs) Um, But we can talk about that in the Premier League. All right, that is it for part two. We'll be back in part three to talk Champions League, FA Cup, and the Premier League as we uh, turn our attention to Europe. Aside from a better night's sleep
0: for both you and your partner, there are so many other benefits to treating your snoring. For example, did you know that snoring makes you produce excess cortisol, which slows your metabolism? So if you snore for a prolonged period, you may find you gain weight easily. Snoring is also a sign your body is getting a little less oxygen, and reduced oxygen in blood can contribute to arterial plaque buildup. These are just a couple of reasons why it's a good idea to try a mandibular split from instantly stop snoring. 1-800-991-259
1: Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We are now turning our attention to Europe, where it has been a hectic week of action across multiple competitions. Uh, Kev, quickly we'll look at um, UEFA Champions League. Not really... uh, First leg of surprises, um, you'd probably say the best result there was Chelsea's away at Benfica. A lot of people thought that they would struggle.
2: Yeah, but I mean, uh, you would have thought the, the Chelsea of old wouldn't have thought twice about getting past Benfica. Uh, it's a sign of the times, of the weakened Chelsea situation. That uh, it, They won. They won 1-0. It's a Mourinho-type scoreline, but uh, it's not a Mourinho-type performance, I'd, I'd say, from Chelsea these days.
1: Fernando Torres uh, set up the winning goal for Kalu, and seems to be seems to be playing himself into a little bit of form certainly um, you know he, he, he's working his socks off it's not like he's then around sulking you know he's working hard for the team um, and, and you know that's. I guess that's all you can do as a striker until it was, you get that break
2: absolutely know? it's funny though just a few weeks ago it was Listening to one commentator insisting that Fernando Torres was a spent force, he would never, ever be a good striker again. Anything like he was, you know, his confidence was too shattered and everything else. I don't think that's true, to be honest. I, I'm not necessarily saying that he's going to ever come to what he was in Liverpool for Chelsea, but I think given the right environment and the right people surrounding him, he still shows the signs where he could be as good as he ever was in the past. Uh, and it's good to see him finally getting that confidence back at Chelsea and setting up goals and scoring a couple as well, even yeah. though Shane Smeltz has well, not scored you know, more it's than also, he has.
1: And we see this a lot through players, either through injury or through age, you know, that, that have to adapt their game. Some can do it, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes. Some can't, Michael Owen. You know, And maybe Torres is now finding out what his body is now capable of post the injuries he's got, and what we might end up seeing is a quite different player. That yeah. is much more of a provider rather than playing on the last shoulder of the defender with that explosive pace that he used to have. He's, I, you know, he might not be the striker he was, but he, he'll still be a bloody good footballer. Yeah,
2: you know? no, that's a very good point. So, you know, uh, converting him into an assist machine rather than a goal machine. Uh, yeah, it's very possible for him. Um, but, you know, I, I think anybody that writes him off at this moment is still... Speaking prematurely. Yeah, Uh, he's still got a lot of years ahead of him. When
1: Ryan Giggs was twenty-three, twenty-four, so one day he'll he'll be anchoring the midfield in the Premier League. You know, you just don't know how players are going to develop and uh, Uh, through their career. Uh, Real Madrid regulation 3-0 win against uh, Apple Nicosia although uh, I think it was 0-0 at half time but the goals came in the second half Kaká featuring
2: there tale finally coming to an end for the yeah, Sicilians so. oh, no, they'll, they'll get a
1: day out in the, in the Bernabeu to enjoy yes. uh, Milan nil, Barcelona 0 nil. Um, it was interesting it was almost like it was one of those results that both teams seemed happy with it was almost like Milan had it, it's a, I mean it was a strange tactic but it was sort of like it was almost like, if if we go for it, really go for it, they're going to pick us off. So it was almost like, let's not concede an away goal, and the strategy is let's go there and try and nick an away goal, and then just defend like the Alamo. Yeah. Um, the pitch didn't help. The pitch just looked awful, I and mean, the pitch has never been great at the San Siro. And uh, they were quite selective with their, I thought they were, quite canny as you would expect from an Italian team with their treatment of Messi they were sort of taking it in turns <laughs> to just have a little dig um, there was no one player that was going to get sent off, You know, they were probably going to pick up four or five yellow cards but. It's
2: a, It was a huge clash of cultures I felt you know, the the football cultures uh, uh, that uh, were meeting here and it was interesting after the match Barcelona have actually made an official complaint about the state for the pitch Yeah it was, uh, it
1: was poor, I mean when you see players just completely losing their footing with no one near, and they're, when they're not even trying to turn, yeah, there were people just like running towards the ball and ending up on their ass. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the second leg will be uh, will be very interesting. Uh, yeah, I guess you know maybe they look at sort of how Mourinho did it. You know, a couple of years ago, went to the new camp, got through even with ten men, um, but in that instance, he had something to defend. Milan don't. Um, uh, Bayern Munich 2-0 winners over Marseille so you know, you'd know probably say that the, the four that you would have maybe you would have picked when, you, when the draw was made Madrid Chelsea Barcelona Bayern is probably what it's going to be barring a, a big upset I reckon Yeah. Uh, FA Cup uh, semi-finalists as we briefly alluded to with Tim Kales Everton uh, winning 2-0 away at Sunderland in a the replay the, uh, the replay game uh, between Tottenham and Bolton that was obviously abandoned for uh, Moamba's uh, Cardiac arrest was replayed and, uh, and Tottenham came out winners 3-1 which means that the semi-finals will be Liverpool-Everton and Tottenham-Chelsea at Wembley. Quite like that. Uh, uh, I'm you, quite looking forward you, to the
2: You probably couldn't have asked for better really under the circumstances. It's, that's as good as you're going to get.
1: I mean you've got a lot of subplots there. Haven't you? you've, yep. got Dalglish, you've got Dalgleish, uh, you've got a Merseyside derby, you've got Moyes punching above his weight as ever. You've got Spurs, you've got Harry for England, you know, I mean, how much would that do his audition for the England job, lifting the FA Cup at Wembley? Uh, Obviously, you've got Di Matteo, you've got the Chelsea players. There's a lot of stories going on. Someone put on on Twitter, I can't remember won't have to try hard for a storyline then. (laughs) (laughs) So so yeah, so they'll be coming up soon, I think it's normally mid-April, the the, the semi-final weekend, games happen on a Saturday and a Sunday. Uh, Premier League... Title twists and turns again. Uh, Man United now three points clear after Man City dropped points away at Stoke. Uh, and Man United got the rubber of the green against Fulham. Uh, Fulham had a... He, well, when Alex Ferguson says it was a penalty, you know it was a penalty. Um, <laughs> even he conceded it was a penalty late on that, they were, uh, that Fulham were denied. Uh, Roberto Mancini not happy about the treatment from the Stoke players apparently. Gotta I admit, I, get on with it, mate. Mm. You know, it's like, no, what, what what does he expect people to do? Just stand off them and let them play nice little triangles around them. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, like a physical guy, as in they were being hacked. It was like, there was one that he, he made reference to that he said was an elbow on Silver. It wasn't an elbow on Silver. It was a guy led with his arm, a straight arm, and Silver came in from the side and caught it. It wasn't an elbow like an elbow cocked motion that you would say that, that's a The referee didn't, I don't even think the referee gave a foul. Mm. Um, you know, but let's talk about Crouch's goal. I didn't see it. i have not see seen it? it. No. Okay, I mean, if you, want, if you wanted a goal that was typical Stoke, but untypical Stoke in the same goal, this was it. <laughs> uh, Begovic kicked it about 65 yards. <laughs> Crouch won the flick on, flicked it on to the right wing and pennant headed it straight back to him so the ball hasn't touched the deck yet so crouch flicks it pennant heads it back to him diagonally so crouch gets it in the inside sort of right position ball still doesn't touch the ground he takes one touch to flick it up and then swivels and volleys it into the far left hand corner (laughs) so the ball has been touched once, twice, three, four, five times it hasn't touched the ground. It's gone from the Stokekeeper into the far corner <laughs> but by this ridiculous piece of skill from Craig. <laughs> like... And then Yaya Torre's goal as well. God, he hit it from about 40 yards. It took a slight deflection but it was it was an absolute rocket. Um, what else? Spurs. Uh, Spurs drew 0-0 with Chelsea which you'd probably say Spurs were probably happy with that and they haven't won there since 1990 so that puts it into a Bit of context. Um, Aston Villa surrendered to Arsenal. Um, I mean, let me just explain to you what it feels like as a Villa fan at the moment. When you hear, you're contemplating: Do I do I get up at two o'clock in the morning to watch my team? And then you sort of like come to and you like check Twitter and you see the starting line up Heskey up front on his own. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> uh, it's just ridiculous I, uh, we'll but there of, you
2: are in 15th position we'll safe the, and no, sound not.
1: I'll tell you what, we are not safe and I'll tell you why uh, let's talk about the bottom um, Wolves continue their sort of free fall beaten uh, by Norwich away Wigan did themselves an awful lot of favours by inflicting uh, another home defeat on Liverpool uh, I think it's 5 wins in 16 home games for Liverpool that's shocking um, absolutely um, shocking got it here yeah five five, ga- five home wins in 15 home games in the uh, in the season so far uh, QPR got beat by Sunderland 3-1 um, Jibril Sise continued his uh, seesaw QPR career he's scored in every game that he hasn't been sent off <laughs> And he's, he's now going to end up being banned for more games than he's played. Seven games he'll have been banned for. He started five and scored three. I think. That's, that'd be a full house. You know? um, what else? Bolton uh, beat Blackburn 2-1. So that pegged back Blackburn a little bit. Um, but what that means at the bottom is you've got six points between 16th and 20th. Um, and three points separates sort of like the bottom three and a point separates Bolton and QPR um, Villa I in mean 15th on 33 points but if I was to tell you that I, here's, here's Aston Villa's next four games Chelsea at home Man United away Stoke at home Liverpool away
2: yeah you could still get four points out of that
1: we could also get no points out of that yeah very easily yeah. the way that we're playing no Darren Bent hmm you know? mm. so if we don't get many, if we don't get a win out of those, one of those four games, very, very easily, we could be right in amongst that. Our game in hand is against Bolton, away.
2: Mm. You I know? reckon no, you're safe and sound. Safe and sound. There's too much crap beneath you. To, right, so, who, so, who are your
1: three that are going down then? you have uh, got eight games left.
2: The three I think deserve it are Wigan, Wolves, and a Blackburn. but I I fear for QPR and Bolton
1: if Villa don't get dragged into it I think the bottom three will be the bottom three QPR, Wigan and Wolves Hmm. I think they'll go down Uh, top of the championship, Southampton Uh, have got themselves a nice little buffer now West Ham are probably the ones that have dropped off uh, a little bit Um, Southampton are on 78 points after 39 games Reading on 73 points so they've got a 5 point buffer now uh, which would probably mean another win, might secure a promotion at least, if not um, the title.
2: Just want to say that West Ham's downturn of form coincided with uh, a Trev's announcement that he was leaving us.
1: Really? Mm. There you go, that's karma for you. Yep. Uh, West Ham on 72 points, so I mean, they're, they're, they're definitely guaranteed a playoff spot because they're 10 points ahead of uh, Brighton in fourth, Middlesbrough in fifth, and uh, Birmingham round out the, uh, the playoff positions. so It's all getting exciting. Alright, that is it for part three. We'll be back in the final part of this week's podcast to preview finals week one in the A-League.
3: The April issue of 442 Magazine is on sale now. It's a special edition on the toughest job in football, the coach. We profile 40 years of Socceroo coaches, analyze Man United's 70-year-old Alex Ferguson, take the FFA AFC B-license coaching course, plus Archie Thompson and Mark Milligan model the new Socceroo's away jersey. 442 Magazine. Get it at newsstands or download it onto your iPad today. The latest
0: on the world game. This is 442 Insider.
1: Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. This is where it all gets exciting. Finals week one. Four teams with their uh, season at stake. Starting tonight, 6pm Eastern summertime. Still? Till till tomorrow. Till tomorrow. Uh, Wellington host Sydney FC, Kev.
2: Yeah, everything tells me Phoenix should walk through this. But
1: they've limped a bit towards it, haven't they? They're yeah, home yeah. and away, they're a bit.
2: Yeah, you can see cracks emerging where there wasn't, where there's never been cracks. In fact, with Phoenix in the past, uh, and Sydney are just so erratic; they're completely unpredictable. You never. I'm going to say later on you don't know which Perth Glory team is going to turn up, but that's even more true I think for Sydney to be honest. 90% of the time you can be pretty sure you know what Sydney are going to play like, yeah. and then suddenly they'll pull performance out the bag you never expected. They'll show grit and determination you've never seen before, and they'll actually show some skill and flair that uh, is totally unexpected. Meanwhile, Phoenix are just you just don't know what to make of them. Uh, I'd love to think they deserve. Uh, they fully deserve to get past Sydney. Um, they've got the team the quality, the coaching. They've done a had a brilliant, brilliant season against all the odds compared to the state they were in just at the beginning of the season, um, where you know it was even dubious whether they'd even survive yeah, and make it to yeah. the start of the season. They had no nobody on staff. They had contracts outstanding. Uh, to have come through and done what they've done has been brilliant. But they seem to have lost the waste just towards the end of the season. They seem to have lost their impetus. Hopefully, you know, they'll have found it in time for tonight. And tonight should be a big, big crowd at the
1: King's Yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, it was almost like they've been a victim of their own success because it was like that first time they had that march to the finals. It was almost like, because it was all new and it was, you know... Compared uh, to every, the flop everyone as well, well like, with New jumping Zealand onto night. it. Whereas yep. now, it's sort of like... There's a level of expectation and obviously the, the Kiwis had a great World Cup as well and it's yep. almost like that. It's a little bit sort of like the Socceroos after they qualified for the first World Cup. It was almost like, well, nothing's ever going to match the Uruguay game again, so there's no point going. Exactly. So, yeah. so it's like you don't want to match the Uruguay game <laughs> ever again. You want to qualify with two or three games in hand, ideally. Yeah, you know? that's it. Um, so yeah, so it'll be interesting to see the crowd, and obviously they do they do play a, a, a big effect there. So um, and obviously they won't. I'm sure there are some Sydney FC fans heading over, but they won't certainly won't be uh, making a noise like. Hopefully, do at
2: home. not vomiting on the passengers next to them on the way there. Yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, I'm going to put you on the spot. Tip. For S- Phoenix. Um, Phoenix win 2-1. Okay. Uh, Wellington, uh, this is on uh, sportingbet.com.au, are $2.20. Quite strong favourites. Sydney FC are $3.15. The draw is $3.40. I've got a feeling that this is going to go beyond 90 minutes. Uh, I think it could well be one all. Um, I'm going to tip Sydney an extra time.
2: Yeah, big call. Cool. Uh,
1: the major semi-final uh, the first leg is tomorrow afternoon. Um, this is at Suncorp, Brisbane hosting the Central Coast Mariners. Um, so these two sides know an awful lot about each other. They met in last last year's uh, major semi-final. They met in the grand final. Um, the Mariners have just won the premiers plate. How do we see it go? What's going to be the strategy from Arnie first and <sighs> foremost?
2: I remember I was at the uh, the training session before they first met, first time this season, uh, for the Mariners, and Arnie's tactics then were simply to let Murdoch have as much time on the ball as he wanted and deny Brock any time on the ball, uh, and to switch from side to side and catch their marauding fullbacks out of position and attack uh, from that point on.
1: Yeah, since remember they almost played about their own game with Burricks... <coughs> And Josh Rose almost like sort of... F- flying up. Yeah, flying the other way. It was almost yep. like, let's try and put pin their full-backs back by yep. making them think about us. Yep. Um,
2: yeah. It worked pretty well for them, actually. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they try and do something again similar. Uh, a, they perceive Murdoch as a very weak link in the... the the, uh, the Roar lineup. And I think that's probably unfair, to be honest. Uh, but certainly, in relation necessarily to the players around yeah. them, yeah, I can understand that. Uh, in terms of Roar, uh, they'll just carry on playing the way they've been playing all season. I think uh, they'll try and do a nice little bit of tiki tacky and uh, take the chances.
1: I think the key as well for the Mariners is, is the, the the two up front. Presumably, he stays with his 4 4 2 that he took to uh, Wellington last week. And if that's Sutton and Abini is, you know, not giving Brisbane the time to build out from the back, you know. uh, Yeah, We've seen teams, teams sort of got wise to that, but I think in this sort of game as well, you know, if you can nick it and put them under pressure and potentially nick a goal through that. I mean, This is one of those games where you miss, you miss Matt Simon. Absolutely, yeah. that's what I was just, just about to say. getting them and bustling them. Just being a complete and utter pain in the arse. You know? I'm sure
2: Arnie will not be doing this, but if I was him, I would be so wishing I had Matt Simon yeah. to call on here. This is just it's the game. Tailor-made for him. Absolute right? perfect game for him. Uh, and Sutton is proving you know to be a physical presence but I know a lot of fans don't have a lot of faith in him Uh, however you know came up with a goal last week let's see what he can come up with this week the interesting I know you're about to uh, tell us the odds on this one but the interesting one is the any time goal scorer odds uh, 13 bucks he's paying
1: but there's a reason why he's 13 bucks
2: he's got two goals he's got two goals and I reckon that this is I made for him to pull something out of the bag. Svansvig, eight dollars fifty, which is tremendously yeah, good that's value. Not
1: bad. I think. As soon as he does strike the other free kick as well. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, the uh, the game odds are Brisbane two dollars and five cents, the Mariners three dollars forty, and the draw three dollars fifty.
2: Yeah, I, Brisbane
1: that's... quite. Um, quite um, heavy favourites there
2: I've gone for any time goal scorers rather than match results on the, that one
1: Okay. Um, the second elimination final that is uh, Sunday Perth Glory host Melbourne Heart. Um, now this it, this will be one of the more intriguing games I think because obviously with, with Brisbane the Mariners there's the second leg so there's always that feeling of this is really just the first half of, a, of, a, of the game but, um, but with sudden death Perth, Melbourne. Melbourne Heart have shown themselves to be one of the more tactically flexible teams. Um, they've changed their formation, they've changed their personnel, they've changed their formation within the game to adapt. And it'll be interesting to see how they go away to Perth. Perth looking like a bumper crowd for the for the sort of, you know, the finals. Uh, it's their first home final. Yeah, the I think? Yep. Yeah. It is. Um, so it'd be good to see a, a good crowd there and I'm really looking forward tactically to seeing how Melbourne Heart approach that
2: well ostensibly as well it could be John Van Chimp's final yeah, Chimp's final match yeah. uh, so I suspect he probably will do, be doing everything in his power to make sure that he doesn't go out at this stage uh, if he, there's any chance of getting a home final is there for him uh,
1: no no, no Sydney Phoenix. can if yeah. Sydney beat Phoenix and Melbourne beat Perth then Sydney host Melbourne that's right in the knockout yeah. game yeah.
2: so yeah yeah uh, so well, in that case there's absolutely no difference for him whether he goes out the shrine or the next, but <laughs> I'm sure he'd be trying to win in any case. But I still think my money's on Perth if they turn up all guns firing. Then uh, games in the bag, the results in the bag for them. Four goals
1: from smelts last week would be ominous if you were. Like. Exactly. Like, oh, uh, here we go.
2: It's taken a long time for him to find his proper scoring boots, but he definitely found them last weekend. And if he found them in that match, I can certainly see him finding them in this match. Uh, Melbourne Hart have played some good football but I still think they're riding the crest of the wave from mid-season rather than uh, necessarily the, the games towards the end of the season uh, they, they look good, they have potential but I don't think they, they fully realise it sometimes and I, I, in fairness to them I don't think necessarily a lot of the players have fully realised their potential either yet, uh, a lot of them are still raw uh, and it possibly boils down too much on Fred's performance
1: yeah, I mean he's critical and he's fit, which is obviously massively important to Melbourne. Um, also, I think you know, Babalge has been a major find. It's whether he can go away and put in a dominant performance. You yeah, know, I remember when they came to the SFS and hammered Sydney in between Christmas and New Year. Uh, he was excellent. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, and that, uh, their whole team was. You know, if they can produce a performance like that away from home, which was. You know, controlled when they're in possession, physical when they weren't. You know, they were winning the ball high up the pitch. They were breaking quick. You know, if they can, they can reproduce that sort of form, then they'll give Glory a real game.
2: I don't think this is their season, but I think next season, <clears throat> Melbourne Heart, top three finish.
1: Okay, heard it here first. We'll be uh, we'll be doing our season. But I need us to go and bring that in actually. I'll go and do that at the end. Uh, Perth uh, are $1.91 to win that game. Melbourne Heart $3.85. So if you fancy a punt, Melbourne Heart to win away $3.85. Very good value. And uh, the draw $3.55. Okay, I think I might have a little go on Melbourne Heart tonight on that. Mm. Uh, That's it. Obviously, all we know so far is the fact that the, uh, the second semi-final will be next weekend. Major semi-final between the Mariners and Brisbane at Blue Tongue. Uh, And as we said, the winners of the two elimination finals will meet. Uh, Home advantage is determined by finishing position on the league. So if Perth win and Wellington win, Wellington will head to Perth next weekend. Uh, If uh, Wellington win and Perth lose, then Wellington will host Melbourne Heart. And if Sydney and Melbourne win, then Sydney FC will host Melbourne Heart next weekend. So it promises to be a fantastic um, weekend of football. Get out and support there if you can in person. If not, make sure you're watching on Fox Sports, and we'll be back next week to uh, review all of the action from uh, the A-League and European Leagues. Thanks for joining us.
0: 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.